Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. You've got an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. Send messages to the show at go for again, G-O-F-O-R-I-T. G-A-N-T, and also hit us up on this chat room as we're going to talk sport and have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by boxer Devin Alexander. Devin Alexander has a big fight coming up next Saturday night, December 13th, MGM Grand, Las Vegas, Nevada. Devin Alexander, Amir Khan. I mean, and, and this fight has a lot of implications on it. I mean, a lot of serious and major implications for both fighters. I mean, if if Khan wins or, or if Alexander wins, there's always the outside possibility of Floyd, Money, Mayweather. And focus on the money because when you fight Floyd Mayweather, you have an opportunity to make some serious money. So it's an opportunity for Devin Alexander. It's an opportunity for Amir Khan. And the reality is, if, if you know, if, if Khan wins, Alexander wins, they have a legitimate shot at getting Floyd Mayweather. You get Floyd Mayweather, you get money. You get money, money is a good thing. Money is an absolute good thing. And, and so it's a great opportunity for Khan. A great opportunity for Devin Alexander. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk to Devin Alexander and talk about his preparation for the upcoming fight against Amir Khan. Also, Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer Willie Rose, soon-to-be college football Hall of Famer Willie Rose will be joining us. We're going to talk all things NFL with Willie, get his take on Johnny Manziel, Brian Hoyer, get his take on RG3, get his take, get his take on all things NFL so we're going to talk to Willie as well. I want to start now. Um, I want to start Ferguson, Missouri. And, you know, it's a sports show, but I want to start there for a moment. Mainly because we saw the St. Louis Rams and, you know, what they did last Sunday. had a few players walk out with their hands up and, and reminiscent of what may have transpired with Michael Brown and that whole situation. Um, first and foremost, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of those guys getting criticized for doing that. And here's what I'll say to that. I think we want our athletes to stand up. I think we want our athletes to to uh, address social issues. I think we want our athletes to be active in the community. I think we want our athletes to do what those Rams players did, and they took a stand. They didn't have to take a stand. In reality, those guys can go off to their beautiful homes and and, and make a beautiful beautiful amount of money, enjoy their beautiful wives and things of that nature. Those guys can go home to that and not worry about this whole situation. doesn't affect them. It really doesn't. They didn't have to take a stand. They chose to take a stand. And I respect that. I respect that. Whether you agree with what they did or disagree, what you gotta, what you, what you got to respect is them standing up and taking a stand for what they believe in. And they believe that, in some respect, what happened to Michael Brown was unjust. They believe that Officer Darren Wilson should have been indicted. That's what they believe. Whether it's the case, true or not true, it's what they believe. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I read up on the case and read the, the you know, the, the the grand jury's report. I didn't read all that. I, I didn't do it. So I, I'm not going to speak to the case because I can't speak to the case. I, you're hearing 
different testimony in terms of his hand was up in surrender. It wasn't up. Uh, he was going for uh, Michael Brown was going for Darren Wilson's gun, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's a tragedy because a young man died. Anytime a young person dies, it's a tragedy. But we we got Charles Barkley talking about it, chiming in on it. Kenny Smith rebutting what Charles Barkley said. So it, it, it's big, and then people are talking about it. Charles Barkley called, and he kind of uh, you know went back on this a little bit. But he initially called the looters scumbags. And I understand where he's coming from, but at the end of the day, at the same time, you got to understand the perspective of these people and the anger that they have. They, they feel like the, the, the system is against them. They feel like it's against them. And the only way for them to get attention and to draw attention to the, to, to the, to the injustices that goes on in their community is by looting, is by protesting, is by doing those type things. It, obviously, on the surface, it doesn't make sense to burn your own community. That doesn't make sense. But I understand. I get it. I get it. I, I truly get it. So, I, and, and I'm glad Charles kind of took that back in terms of calling those uh, individual scumbags. I mean, there, there are some people who were out there and had a legitimate purpose to be out here, and, and of course there were others who were doing what they weren't supposed to be doing. I mean, it, it happens in all walks of life. It happens in uh, all different areas of life where you have situations, where you have people out there who are out there for legitimate reasons, and then you have majority or probably majority are out there for legitimate reasons, and then you have those other people who have ulterior motives. It happens. But attention is drawn to those who have ulterior motives. If, you look, if, you, if you're in a classroom and school, attention is drawn to the bad one more so than the good one. That's just the reality. So the attention is always drawn to the bad because the bad stands out. Bad sometimes is, it, it, it makes for good stories. And the media... Television, radio, we're all in it to tell a good story. We're all in it to tell a good story. And that makes for good storytelling. Fair or unfair, obviously unfair. But the reality is this, and, and here's, here's, here's the reality at the end of the day. I applaud the Rams guys for what they did because they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to take that stand. I mean, a lot of way, I mean, it is their issue, but you could argue it's not their issue. Because they are black and it becomes their issue because who knows what could happen. At some point, they could be pulled over. Uh, at some point, they could be harassed. I mean, there is, uh, we do have to acknowledge there is a problem with, with race and, and, and police. There is a problem with the judicial, judicial system and how African Americans are treated within that. There's a problem with that, sure. And I think we, we, we all can acknowledge that. But the reality is this at the end of the day. You know, you're going to have all these different stories about Ferguson, Missouri, Eric Garner in New York, things of that nature. God rests all their souls. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And we could be divided, black and white or what have you, but dialogue is important. We all should have dialogue. We all should talk about these things because the only way that we can truly break down barriers is to talk. The only way you can understand where I'm coming from is to talk to me. The only way I can understand where you're coming from is to talk. We gotta talk, not shut each other down, but talk. Understand where this man, where where the white man comes from. Understand where the black man comes from. Understand where the Hispanic man comes from, and wherever other man out there comes from. We have to talk. These issues have to be talked through. We can't talk at each other. We gotta talk to one another. And at the end of the day, agree, disagree on what happened in Ferguson. Agree, disagree what happened in New York City, the reality is we have to treat each other better. We have to love each other better. We have to do all these things better. That's what we got to do. we got to do all these things better. If we can do all these things better, love each other better, treat each other better, the world this country would truly be a better place. 
It really would. But we got to do better, folks. I applaud those Rams players for what they did. They took that. We all we want we want people to use their platform to do better for our society, to help our society become better. We want people to take advantage of their platform. The Jim Browns of the world took advantage of his platform. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar took advantage of his platform. And within the African-American community, there has been some criticism of Michael Jordan and the belief that he didn't take enough of a stand with the power that he had. So when, when, when I see guys who don't need to take a stand, take a stand, I applaud it. Whether you agree with it or disagree, I would applaud it. I, I think it's good. And I think, you know, athletes taking up social causes is a beautiful thing. We hear about the negative, but let's look at the positive and focus on the positive. And the positive is that what these Rams did, whatever you agree, disagree, what have you, they're doing positive things. And they're taking a stand. They're taking a stand. And I, and I got to agree with it. I, I don't know. Again, I got to applaud it, I should say. And I agree with them taking the stand, and I hope it continues in a world of sports. And I understand this for the most part. I use sports to get away from all these, all the negative things in life. I do, but there, I think there is a responsibility to use your platform to further to to help those within your community who are less fortunate. I believe you, if you can use your platform to do that, then you should do it just like Tim Tebow. He used his platform to spread the word of Jesus and to, to, to spread Christianity. He used his platform for that reason. Agree, disagree, or what have you, I think it's a good thing. I, I truly do think it's a good thing that, that players, athletes, using their platform to, to make change within a society. Let's now switch gears to boxing. We're about to bring in a guy now. He's got a big fight coming up December 13th on Showtime. MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. Devin Alexander, Amir Khan. Who knows? You know, earlier, a few months ago, a couple months ago maybe, the, uh, the Oscar De La Hoya, Golden Boy Promotions, he was saying, hey, whoever wins this fight is going to get Mayweather. Now that all could change, and uh, as much as I love Devin Alexander, I would love to see Mayweather Pacquiao. That's the fight I would like to see. That's the fight I would like to see. But if Mayweather's not going to fight Pacquiao, heck, I would love for him to fight Devin Alexander. Why not? Why not? Let's bring him in now, welterweight contender Devin Alexander. Devin, how are you, man? Man, I am good, Paul. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm happy me, to be on your show. You know, you know, you know. This is one of my favorite shows to come on. For sure, for sure. We love having you, man. And let's get right down to it, man. You got a big fight, Amir Khan, and this is a fight you've been waiting for for a very, very long time. There's a lot at stake. You win this fight, you might get Mayweather. Is this the biggest fight of your career? Um, yes, this is the biggest fight of my career. Um, MGM Grand main event. This is this is a, a tremendous tremendous opportunity, um, and I gotta take full advantage of it, you know. And um, and wh- who better else to have as an opponent, American, you know? So this is gonna be an action-packed fight. It's gonna make for a good fight. Um, neither one of us want to lose, and I'm I'm bringing out I'm bringing out all the stops on this fight. Let me ask you this. How's camp going to this point? I heard your trainer, Kevin Cunningham, talk about that. Everything is going well. It's great, man. Talk about how camp's going for you. Camp is, camp is always good for me. You are, um, guys know me. Everybody knows me. As, oh, I work hard. I train hard. And, you know, I take my job serious. Um, it's like a job. It's my 9 to 5. So, sure. Um, you got to take it serious. So, uh, camp is good. Um we got some good sparring that's getting me ready for whatever American brings, and uh, we're in shape. We're in shape to go um, hard for 12 rounds. Um, if we have to skip around and go to 13, we can do that too, but uh, we'll be ready. 
Now, one thing about Mir Khan, we know one of his weaknesses is his chin. He's very chinny, and, and we've seen it in, in past fights. But let me ask you this. What makes you believe that you can win this fight? Amir Khan, though he is chinny, has won some good fights. Well, he hasn't fought anybody as a caliber as me. Um, you, can, you can argue and say Zab, um, Zab, but Zab is on his way out. You know, you can argue that or... Who has you beat Colazzo? I mean, um, you know, Medina, was, it was a good fight, but, you know, it was tooth and nail. I beat Medina pretty easy. Um, mm-hmm. You got, um, I mean, Lamar Peace and Garcia, anytime he did step up to um, upper class, he lost, you know, or it was close. So um, he hasn't seen anybody as fast and as skillful as me, and plus I'm a southpaw. Um, it was a guy I saw him fight at home. He was a southpaw, and he had he gave Mirkan trouble. So um, I, I I just I just feel like he's not gonna be able to do anything. My angles, everything's gonna be different for him. I mean, you know, I'm hearing a couple guys that was in his camp. Um, he had to um, um, send them home because they were just giving too much work. Their southpaw stands. It's, it's difficult for people, so you know it's going to be hard to deal with me, especially when I'm on when I'm on point. We're talking to boxer Devin Alexander, and, and one thing about Amir Khan, and one thing we've seen over the years with Amir Khan is he knows how to steal rounds. What do you do mm-hmm. to stop him from doing that? Well, I, I'm fast too. I got speed, and you know my work rate is high too. You know you saw that in the Soto Karras fight. We both, in all, threw seventeen hundred punches the whole fight. So, you know, I, I'm I'm just gonna, I'm going to be just as active. Um, but you got to be able to hit me. You know, you got to be able to hit me with that. You know, that those wild punches you're going to be throwing, and you know, and you just got to be there to capitalize on. It. You got to use his aggression um, for for him. You know, towards him, and that's going to be his downfall. You know, so. We got a, we got a tremendous game plan. Me and Kevin got a tremendous game plan. So I'm just gonna follow it to the T. I'm gonna have fun this fight. Now, last time you were on the big stage, probably your biggest fight before this fight was the Tim Bradley fight. What did you learn mm-hmm. from that experience, and what can you take from that experience into this particular fight? What uh, what I learned from the Bradley fight is, you know, stay focused, stay focused on the game plan. This is just boxing. This is this is something I've been doing since I was seven years old. So um, you don't have to worry about anything, but get in there and handle business, and don't let the outside things, you know, get in your head. Just get in there and handle business. You know you're capable of beating this guy, and following the game plan that you've been doing for eight weeks, and you'll sure. be all right. So I, I've, I've definitely learned a lot. But you like like you said, this is the same position I was in. Uh, when I fought Bradley, I'm, I'm, it came back full circle, and I'm definitely going to take advantage of this one. We're talking to boxer Devin Alexander. Devin, you said a few weeks back that, and as we said, if you win this fight, there's a possibility that you could get Floyd Mayweather. You said a few weeks back that you believe that Floyd Mayweather avoids black fighters. Tell us why <laughs> you believe that. Well, it, it just the proof's in the pudding, you know, the, the proof. Um, anytime he he does fight a black fighter, you know he he's it's he, either good competition and it's close, or you know he gets hurt or whatever. So, um, you know Shane mostly hurt him. Um, Zab Judah was winning the fight until he, he lost his cool. Chop Chop Corley hurt him. Um, Shami Mission, all 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 of them gave him good fights. So, he, I I think he's he's hesitant on fighting black fighters because he knows that, you know, we possess the same skill as him. And mm-hmm. we give a good, good and tough fight. So um, not taking that away from not saying mixings and other fighters don't have the same skill set, just something about, you know, him fighting black fighters he don't want to part of, in my opinion, in my opinion. He likes to fight slow fighters that's going to stand there, at, you know, um, be be slower than him or not going to think in the ring and just be there. I know you got Amir Khan next, but 
if you get by Amir Khan, do you think you can beat Floyd Mayweather? Of course, of course. Uh, you you have to think about. In my opinion, Floyd is declining. Uh, he's he, he's he's not as active anymore. Uh, you know, in Mayweather prime, he would have stopped Medina, but he he was going tooth and nail with him, and he was getting hit a lot. So um, he's definitely declining. So um, I'm definitely in my prime, and I'm definitely going to be there with speed and power. So I definitely, you know, think I can uh, beat him easy. Now, with your belief that that Floyd does avoid uh, black fighters, do you actually believe if you win this fight against Amir Khan that Floyd would actually fight you? Well, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's tough to call. It's a tough to call. Because um, you know it's it's about numbers. It's about who brings the most to the table, and, and you know I understand the game, and you know it, it, and we'll just have to see. You know, um, it, it it it's it can happen, but in certain circumstances, you know, it would have to be in a New York or you know uh, or a different atmosphere other than Vegas. You know to bring the people out. So it just depends on the situation. Um, but I think it can happen. It just depends on him and what he comes up. But I'm not chasing Floyd. It's a lot of great fighters out here. That, right. You know, that's, that's he was just just as good and that's on his way up. And, you know, I'll fight them all. So we'll see. And one person that, that you know, there are rumors circulating that maybe Keith Thurman was the guy that you possibly were going to fight this time around. How close was that fight to happen? Well, it, it just brought up. It just brought up. Um, you know, me and him are um, advised by Al Heyman, so um, it, was, it was just brought up, but um, that's just a fight that's bound to happen, especially when we keep winning. Um, so that's another, uh, you know, awesome fight. Um, I think it, it's after, after I beat Kai, it could be a you know, a pay-per-view fight, you know, so um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, there's a lot of other top guys, too, that's coming up. Um, For sure. Of course, you still got Pacquiao. You got, you know, you know, a lot of top guys, so we'll see. For sure. Do you think we'll see Pacquiao Mayweather? Um, I don't think so, in my opinion. I don't think so. I mean, it's, it's you know... I'm I'm trying to hear about it. It's definitely losing its lackluster. Um, people are tired of hearing about it, in my opinion. Um, right. You know, the box, the boxing, diehard boxing fans would like to see it, but you know, you know, people are losing interest because they think it's not going to happen. So, um, in my opinion, it's just too many, too many uh, people are struggling for power. Uh, too many people don't like each other. Uh, Bob Arum and Floyd got a history together. They don't like each other. And it's just, you know, a lot of things going on with that situation that's preventing it from happening. So, you know, I just don't see it happening. We're talking to boxer Devin Alexander. Now this fight will take place in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand. This is your first time fighting in Las Vegas. Talk about what that means to you. It means a lot. It means a lot because, you know, I always said when I do fight in Vegas, that it was going to be the right time and it's going to be my, you know, graduation to the big time. And this is definitely the graduation to the big time. Um, to see my face, you know, plastered on, at the MGM Grand, uh, the posters and all that, just to see that, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, I'm blessed, you know a kid from North St. Louis who's who's from the streets, you know, didn't grow with, you know, anything, worked his way up. And to get to Vegas is, is something, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, you just can't take that lightly. And, you know, speaking of that St. Louis, Ferguson, Missouri, that whole area, you got a lot of people out there that's hurting right now. We saw the St. Louis Rams, some of the guys, putting their hands up in support of that whole particular situation. Your thoughts on that? On the Rams as well, just in general, 
the Rams situation and just the whole Mike Brown situation and the whole situation well, I, in Ferguson, Missouri? I, 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 I don't see anything wrong with the Rams putting their hands up. It's a freedom of speech. You know, we, we sure. need more people coming out and we need more people just standing up for what they believe in. In my opinion, it's, it's police brutality is a problem here in the uh, United States. Um, it's a, it's a, you see a lot of accidents, a lot, a lot of people just abusing their power, their authority, you know. Um, you'll, be, sure. you'll be lying to say that we don't have a problem with police brutality, right. you know, just unnecessary, you know, action taken. So um, I think we need to get a handle on that. Um, you know, in my opinion, Mike Brown didn't do anything, you know, that drastic for him to be shot six or seven times. I mean, come on, you know. So, I mean, what can he have done? You know, um, no weapon, you know, what kind of threat did, did he pose? You know, he wasn't close to you. Um, you shot him, like, feet, feet away. So what did he pose? So we, we just got to, you know, all got to come around and just look at the, look at what's going on. And we need to talk about it more. We need to have more conversation and dialect on just uh, racism and just a, lot, a whole host of things. For sure. We're talking to boxer Devin Alexander now, December 13th to fight on Showtime, MGM Graham, Las Vegas. Do you have a prediction, man? Do you stop? Amir Khan. Uh, eight, 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 give me eight. Give me eight, and he'd be out the gate. Eight, eight and out the gate. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I had a dream last night about, um, you know, me being Amir Khan. Uh, you know, I was happy in that dream, and it was, it's, it's definitely <laughs> going to come true. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm just going to have fun this fight, like I said. I'm going to bring all the stops out. Um, you know, uh, like I said, neither one of us want to lose. I'm taking full advantage of this opportunity. So, December 13th, you're going to stop him in the eighth round. The, the dream. In the dream, was it the eighth round where you stopped him? Uh, you know how dreams are. You just can't, you know, remember <laughs> what. But all I know is um, I was raised, my hand was raised, and it was an awesome, awesome feeling. For sure, I mean, it definitely will be an awesome, awesome feeling if you can get the victory on December 13th. Big opportunity and a possible big moment for your career, Devin Alexander. Devin, you're also yep. doing some things in, in the St. Louis area in terms of businesses, in terms of uh, you have a restaurant, Knockouts Bar and Grill. You, you talk about that. Well, it, yes, Knockout Bar and Grill coming, um, is coming on very well. Um, we'll be back open in, in in another week in, week or so, um, it's, it's a very very nice atmosphere. Um, for instance, on social media, you you can see a couple of pictures I done put up put up of the bar and grill. You know, it's a nice atmosphere. You know, a good place to come enjoy the game, uh, the fight. The big we're gonna have all the fights, all the big fights or whatever. That's just gonna be the place. You know, just to come in. Um, just have some fun, you know, and just enjoy yourself. Sure. No riffraff, you know. So just just come in and enjoy yourself. For sure, for sure. Devin, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Devin Alexander on Twitter? Oh, you can take me, uh, connect with me at the real Devin A on Twitter, and you can connect with me um, on Facebook. Um, I'm gonna. St- I-, I got a fan page, but. Um, it's it's uh, up and running. It's not up and running yet, but it will be. Um, it'll be Devin Alexander the Gray on Facebook, and just a whole. I, I'm just working on a lot of things, Paul. And just for sure. taking it one day at a time. For sure, for sure. And when are you going out to Vegas? I'll be um, leaving out Tuesday. The grand arrivals are Tuesday, so um, you know I will be there. You coming out? I'm not, I'm not, but I'll definitely be watching. I'll definitely be watching on Showtime. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's an action-packed car. You know, you got a lot of, you know, it's a quadruple header, so it's going to be an awesome car. Definitely, man, and I definitely will be supporting you 
and my home. Definitely rooting for you, man, and hopefully you can bring that victory back home to the folks at in St. Louis, man. So I'm definitely rooting for you. Nothing but the best for you, man. And as always, man, let's do this again. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Definitely, definitely. You know I got to come back on after the victory and let you know how I did it. For sure, for sure, man. Devin Alexander, boxer, support all the great things going on with Devin Alexander. Let's do this again. No doubt. Devin Alexander, boxer. Devin Alexander, boxer. And he's got a big fight again, Miracon, December 13th, MGM Grand, on Showtime, live on Showtime. Make sure you check your local listings. For, for the time in your particular area, and you don't want to miss it. It's going to be an action-packed card and an action-packed fight. Devin Alexander, Amir Khan, and it's a fight for both of those guys who want to get a crack at Floyd money Mayweather. We shall see. Let's go to boxing. Let's go to boxing. Let's go to football now. NFL. RG3. Robert Griffin III, Jay Gruden says, that according to a report on ProFootballTalk.com, Jay Gruden wants him gone. He wants him gone. He believes that RG3 cares about his personal brand more than he cares about becoming a better NFL quarterback, according to Jason Reed of the Washington Post, the franchise. And, and Jay, Gruden, Jay Gruden wants to part ways with Griffin III. He doesn't want any big piece of him. He, he's done with him. He's done with him. If you're the Redskins, here's the question. First year coaching Jay Gruden, we don't know how good of a coach he is. His first year, his team hasn't been that good. So we don't know what kind of coach he is. Are you willing to give that kind of power to Jay Gruden? And, and it, it may come down to this. It may be RG3 or Gruden. Gruden may say, you know what? I'm drawing a line in the sand. I don't want RG3. It's either RG3 or me. And, and, and here's the thing. You know, when RG3, that first year, was sensational. It was amazing. It was beautiful to see. He, he captivated uh, the whole NFL and Washington. That, that was his town. That was his town. And then he got hurt, and he has never been the same. Obviously, he has issues in the pocket. Obviously, he needs to work that through. Obviously, he has regressed. It's been bad these past two seasons for RG3. Do I still think he's a talented player? I do. Could he be done? He could be. I mean, he could be done. Is this a byproduct of, you know, him not being healthy? Is this a byproduct of him not progressing? Is this a byproduct of him peaking in his rookie year, having that amazing rookie season, and done? Is is he past his prime? I mean, is he done? I mean, these are the things you have to ask when it comes to RG3. If he not, if he doesn't have the speed, if he doesn't have the elusiveness, the scrambling ability that he once had, then what is he? Obviously, if he doesn't have those things, he has to work on his pocket presence. He has to work on becoming a better pocket passer. And I say this all the time, but if you can't throw in the pocket in the National Football League successfully, you won't last. You have to be able to throw in that pocket. You have to be able to stand in there and throw the football. RG3 has not proven that he can do that over the past few seasons. Could he be done at the age of 24? Should we stick a fork in RG3? Here's how I look at it. I think if the Redskins as an organization, and let's just say Bruce Allen, Daniel Snyder, is on board with RG3, and let's say, let's just say Jay Gruden is not. I think Bruce Allen and Daniel Snyder have to ask this question. How good of a coach is 
Jay Gruden. How how good of a coach do you think he he is or can be? If your answer is you believe he could be a very good coach, good to a great coach, then maybe you part ways with RG3. And if that's the case, if that's truly the case and Gruden wants RG3 gone, then maybe you part with RG3. Now, if you're not so sure about Jay Gruden, the coach, and his ability to coach, and his ability to lead your franchise, then you have to make a determination and say to yourself, you know what, Jay, I respectfully disagree. We disagree with you. And then Jay has to say whether he wants to stay in Washington. He has to decide that. And if does Jay Gruden have a, a power and, I mean, does, is, he, is he valued as a head coach around the league? If he is, then he can walk away from a job. If he's not, then, you know, maybe he sticks around and maybe he sucks it up and says, well, I'll stay with RG3 even though he doesn't believe in him. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. RG3 has regrets. I do know this. RG3 has had an awful awful two seasons. I do know this. RG3, there's a possibility that he could never – it may never, ever be the same quarterback that he was in that rookie season. Never. There's that possibility. I hope, for his sake, you know, he's more He's more about – I just hope that he's more than, than just being and, and working on his brand off the field. Because, I, you know, I, I look at the situation, I remember that second season where he rushed back to get on the football field. And he wasn't ready against the Philadelphia Eagles. He wasn't ready at all. He wasn't. He had no business being out there. None whatsoever. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous that he was out there because he obviously was not ready. He wasn't. And so when when I when I when I saw that and and see that and you know some people calling him RG me and all these other things, you, you start to wonder, is these things they're saying about RG3 true? I mean, him and the Shanahan's didn't get along. You know, and then that whole situation fell apart. Him, now him and Gruden, Jay Gruden, are not getting along. If, you know, you have two coaches in two situations and you're not getting along with those guys and those guys feel a certain way about you, then maybe it's true. I'm not saying it is, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But RG3 has to become a better pocket passer. RG3 has to become a better quarterback, period. And if the the reports are true that Jay Gruden believes that RG3 is more concerned about his brand rather than becoming a better NFL quarterback, then if I'm Jay Gruden, I wouldn't want any part of RG3. I would want him going, too, if I truly believe that's the case. Why would I have him? If, if I believe this dude is all about me, and if I feel this dude is all about his brand, why would I keep him? Doesn't make sense. We're going to bring in a guy now who makes sense. We're going to bring in a guy now who, who next week, I mean, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's a bunch of different Hall of Fame. Louisiana Hall of Fame. He's in a bunch of different Hall of Fame. He's about to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Let's bring him in now. Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. Willie. So how you doing? What, what, what brand is that? Who's worried about their brand? RG3 is worried about his brand and his, his, his you know his brand and growing his brand and growing him. RG3 needs to worry about getting on the field and playing some good football. Right now, he doesn't have a brand. I mean, what 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 has RG3 done since his rookie year? He's been injured. He hasn't played well at all the last couple of years. So, I mean, right now he doesn't have a brand. So, I mean, if RG2 doesn't watch it, the way he's been playing, he won't be in the league. Well, well he's been playing professional football. Let's start with RG3 now. you we, we have a report from the Washington Post that Jay Gruden is done with RG3, doesn't want him, wants to move on from RG3. In your mind, in your opinion, do you see RG3 playing with the Washington Redskins next season? 
Well, the only reason he will be still with the Redskins the next season is because he's still under that rookie deal. I think he has, if, you don't, if you're not mistaken, Paul, he has a year left on the deal. So maybe maybe he's back because he has a year left on that deal. But other than that, I mean, nobody's nobody's got to give RG3 uh, any big any big time contract. Not the way he's been playing. Who's, well, who's let me ask him a big deal. Well, let me let me say this though, Willie. I mean, I, I agree with you, but at the same time. I'm not not necessarily money, but I'm talking in terms of opportunity. 24 years old, I mean, third season in the National Football League. There there has to be some kind. I think there is some kind of market for RG3. I'm not saying it's a big market, but I think there will be some market for RG3 because of his age, because of what we saw in that rookie season. Yeah, there'll be there'll be, there'll be a market for RG3, and I mean, you know, maybe it's to to a good maybe he needs to go to a good team. And learn from a real good veteran quarterback how to be a pro, because obviously the kid doesn't know how to be a pro yet. He hasn't been around uh, enough guys. I mean, I think RG three needs to be humble. He came in with a lot of hype, like a lot of guys. You know, I, I played with a young guy, Ricky Williams, and we thought the guy, the kid, was more mature than he was the way he looked at Texas, but he wasn't. You got a young kid who got a lot of a lot of talent, who had a, had a, had a, a, a excellent career. Look at what happened to Vince Young. I mean, I'm not saying he's Vince Young. But Vince Young went to the Pro Bowl and had a couple good years, too, before it fell apart. Now, I'm not saying RG3 uh, isn't financially taking care of his money like Vince Young was. I'm just saying that he, maybe he needs to go and be around some veteran guys uh, and, and then learn and then have the opportunity again. I think he's going to be humble some before he learns how to play football. I just think the kid thinks that he, he has a false sense of reality about how the National Football League works. But he'll find out here pretty soon. Look at Mark Sanchez. Sanchez. They call him Sanchez now. He had to go to Philly and he sat behind somebody and look how he's doing. But sometimes you got to go through some adversity to learn, and maybe that's what he needs. So you, you're saying basically when it comes to RG3, it might have been a case of too much too soon, too much accolades, too much praise, too much everything too soon. Too much accolades, too much praise too soon for a guy to just give you a sample of what he could do. Now, somebody like J.J. Watts, he's a commodity. He's a proven commodity. RG3 had an excellent rookie year. You know, he ran up. He took off running too much even then. He wasn't a pocket pass. He took off running too much then. But he has a lot of talent. He has a lot of potential. But we don't know what he can do. Cause he, he, it doesn't seem like he can throw the ball. It doesn't seem like he can read the defense. Or every time he starts back in the pocket, it seems like he's getting hit too much. He gets hit way too much. To have a successful NFL career, look what happened to David Carr uh, when he first came in the league. Remember, he got sacked like a hundred times. Yeah. That whatever it is, whatever that was, it was some crazy year. He, the sacks he took those first couple years. But with RG, RG did taking all these licks, he ain't gonna be in the league that long if he keeps taking shots like that. He's got to learn how to read defenses and become a pro. And like I said, it might help him to go sit behind a veteran guy and learn and learn the system. Really learn the system. With some, with some security, because if it's not working out in Washington, obviously it's, it's some egos involved. And one one other problem you didn't mention, Paul, is everybody's talking about how Coach RG three has been with the owner in Washington, and you can, that, that, that that doesn't mix and it doesn't look good around the players. And when you think you're that tight with the owner, you think you're untouchable. And and, and like I said, he's been you know maybe they've been babying him too much. For sure, I mean, and I think those those are fair points. When it comes to Robert Griffin III, I mean, I, he seems like a decent guy. I just hope that he does get himself in a, a good situation, a better situation, so you know, ultimately he can uh, maybe prove some people wrong and ultimately uh, make some plays with another organization. But it's going to be tough, and I don't, I don't see him going if if Jay Gruden is still there. I don't see him staying in Washington. And I think here's an interesting thing. Here's an interesting point. If let's just say Daniel Snyder who loves RG3, is still enamored with RG3, the quarterback. And then you have Jay Gruden, who doesn't want RG3. Obviously, they're going to clash. And my thing is this, with Jay Gruden, we don't know what kind of coach he's going to be. I mean, he's only done it one year, and it hasn't been very successful for for a number of reasons, but he hasn't been very successful. So I think that's going to be an interesting situation if it does come down to that where ownership wants them and the coach doesn't. But we'll see how this whole thing plays out. I want to ask you this now. we got the Cleveland Browns. They decided to keep Brian Hoyer in, 
and decided against bringing in Johnny Menzel as the starter. We look at Brian Hoyer, got off to a great start. Cleveland was off to a 6-3 and three start. He started out during that 6-3 and three mark with Cleveland. They were ten, he had 10 touchdowns and only four interceptions. The past few weeks now, it's dropped. It's been bad. One touchdown to six picks in the last three games. If you're Cleveland, did they right, make the right choice in keeping Brian Hoyer as the starter? I think they did. Well, I think they did, but I think he's on a short leash. Let's say that if, they, if he does start and he starts playing bad again, then i got to put Manziel in. Manziel can do stuff with his feet. I don't know how accurate, how well he's going to be as a passer and, and how, how well he reads, reads defense because he hasn't been, been playing. But if he does, if he does, if I agree with you, Hoyer should start. But Hoyer, if he keeps, if he's not playing better, then he's on a short leash ball. I mean, you got you got to you got to give Johnny Football a chance to play. If, if he keeps, if he doesn't play well, and he knows here's how I, here's here's how I look at the situation. I believe that Brian Hoyer should be in there until the Cleveland Browns are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Because I don't know if Johnny Man, you're, you're going to put Johnny Manziel and basically into a playoff race. I mean, this is pressure packed football for a guy who hasn't started a football game at all in his career, and you're going to uh, put him in this particular situation. I think Brian Hoyer should stay in there. I mean, Brian Hoyer's ten, what ten and five as a starter with the Cleveland Browns in his career, and and you know, he has been the, one of the reasons this team has won seven football games. So I I think he, I, I thought it was a little unfair that he got benched last week. I understand why they did it, but at the same time, I, I think this should be his job until Cleveland is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. That's the way I see it, but. If the coaches believe that Johnny Menzel can make more plays, if the coaches believe that Johnny Menzel can do more, then, you know, I can understand that as well. But I'm not a big Menzel guy to begin with, so we'll see what happens. We're talking to Hall of Famer uh, Willie Rofe. And, and, Willie, let me ask you this. We got Ray Rice. He, he, he won his appeal. He is eligible now. Teams can sign him. Do you think he will be signed? I don't think he will. I don't think he'll be signed this year, but do you think he'll be signed this year? Uh yeah, I, I it's it's like it's leaning toward the off season. Maybe maybe somebody will sign him. You know how they do? They'll sign him week, like the last week or two of the season. You know, it, it, it's, it's interesting if you're if you're a playoff contender, you lose a running back, or you you know you need to make sure if they're running back, do you sign him? You know, there's a couple of scenarios where he could be you know with the experiences he has for a team that's you know looking to get in the playoffs. Maybe they sign him, but I don't know if they want to sign him with the controversy. But like you said, if if he does sign, it'll be, you know, the last week or two of the season, going into the off season. You know, whoever signs is going to want him to be there for the off season to learn the offense and be ready to play this, this next year. So, you know, you know, and I heard New Orleans is one of the teams looking at him, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the running back situation plays off in some of these playoff teams, and if uh, if anybody will give him a chance. If, if somebody gets injured. So we'll just have to wait and see. Colts definitely need a running back as well after losing Bradshaw. So, I mean, there are teams that could use him. I guess it's the, the, I guess the reality is, is is the block basically too hot for him to come back at this point. And I would say yes. And so I would think it would be best in his best interest. People tend to forget real fast about a lot of things. So I think it would be in his best interest just to – almost fall back for this year, and I know financially he would like to play, but it's almost in his best interest to fall back, and then next season start anew. People will forget a little bit, and and hopefully he can uh, move on with his well, career well, and move on with even, his life. Go ahead. Even financially, if, if he starts to the minimum, he's not going to make a whole bunch of money for until, toward the end of this year. I mean, like you said, it would be better to start over. He can sign a deal. If I'm him and, and he's been a good back, I'm going to sign a deal at least well, he can make some money in incentives if he does play well. You know, he can sign a one-year deal and make X amount of money if he does so much on the field. So, it, 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 like you said, it would be better off for him just to sign a deal, you know, maybe a low-base salary next year and then, um, you know, make, 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 make boost that salary up by, by, by making an incentive later. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rope and Willie, I want to go to the NFC South, and your boys, the New Orleans Saints, five and seven, the Atlanta Falcons, also five and seven. I mean, it's basically a two-horse race. I mean, you got Carolina still there, but 
they're a bad football team. And I'm not saying the Falcons or the Saints are good football teams, but the, the Carolina is well. But actually, Carolina actually is still there. They're about half there, half can't be I mean, I, I texted you. I, I talked to you earlier about this. I mean, Cam Newton is, is another one. You know, Cam Newton shows flashes of being an excellent quarterback. I just, uh, you know, I know he's, uh, he's probably upset about the receiver position and letting Steve Smith go and the offensive line situation have been playing very well. But Cam Newton, you know, has he regressed this year, Paul? I mean, does he just want out of Carolina? He's another one. I mean, I'm not going to tag Cam Newton the way he's playing and give him $15, 16 $17 million a year. Are you going to give him that kind of money, Paul? I understand it. it, it. I don't know about it, and it's good. But, I mean, he hadn't played well. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, you know, I, I look at Cam Newton and I look at his situation. Um, I look at his defense. His defense is not as good as it was last season. I look at his wide receivers. Brandon LaFell is having a big year with the New England Patriots, and Steve Smith is having a good year with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I look at his offensive line. It's different. I mean, so there's a lot of variables and why, and, and very, why, a lot of reasons that Cam Newton also has been banged up this year. If, if, if I'm Carolina, I'm sticking with Cam Newton. I, I believe Cam has the talent. I believe Cam has the ability. I, I also believe that, you know, this season, for a lot of reasons, it, it, oh, not, a lot of reasons, you, you, not, you, you're not, not on Cam. Deal, Paul. Go ahead. Are you going to give him a long-term deal? Or what? I mean, he's going to want franchise money. You're not going to lock him into a long-term deal. You're not going to give him eighteen, nineteen million a year. He's not playing at that level. Okay, so what, what's your what's your other option? I'll give him, I'll give him a one-year, two million dollar deal. If I have to give him a one-year deal, or I tag him, I'll tag him for one year. And I mean, but if you tag him one year, you're going to pay him what excess seventeen, eighteen. You got to give him eighteen a year. I mean, if you tag him one year, the one-year franchise or transition tag is going to be eighteen, nineteen million. So the option is to tag him and give him a one-year deal or, he, or, or give him a long-term deal. Do you think Cam Newton's a franchise quarterback? Not the way he's playing, no. <laughs> he hasn't shown the leadership. He hasn't shown me that he can, you know, he can lead a football team. He hasn't, he hasn't showed it. I mean, I just, I mean, great athlete. I mean, big, strong. He's got all the attributes as far as, if you want to say, the prototype of what a quarterback should look like. But he just, you know, he, he's not consistent. Well, here's the thing: they don't, they don't, they they have a player option. So they don't have to make a decision till next year. He's gonna, he could play for one, one more year on that rookie deal. So here's the thing: here's the thing. Um, you know, I've, and, and it's interesting to see if they'll let him go into that final year without a new contract. But here's the thing: I don't know if there's another option out there. I think Cam is still a franchise-caliber quarterback. I'm not sure if there's another option out there. I don't think there is at this point. I mean, you so could argue. We're going to pay a guy just to pay him but not off production. He's not performing at a level that that, 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 that grants, grants him getting, that, that says he should be making franchise quarterback numbers. Why don't you look at the statistics and tell me what they are, just like they're talking about Colin Kaepernick. Great ability. I mean, the only one right now that's playing at, at a at a consistent level week in week out is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson comes to play every week. He plays hard. He's smart. He knows when to run. He knows when to pass. He 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 he, he, he doesn't turn the ball over. Russell Wilson is the franchise quarterback. Now, all these guys we're talking about, Russell Wilson is going to get the most money. But a Kaepernick guy already got his deal, really a three-year deal. But RG three and Cam Newton, I can't, I can't, I can't give them none of them deals with no thirty, forty million guaranteed. I can't do it. I mean, here's the thing. I I, I agree with you, but at the same time, I, I see a guy in Cam Newton who I believe is a franchise quarterback, and I think how much, this how much season, time? How much time we talking about? He's well, going he, he, he let him. His, his rookie season was great. He had a great rookie year. He led him to the playoffs. Not his rookie year, but last year he led him to the playoffs, got him to the divisional round. And, you know, so this season so just one of those years so for the Carolina Panthers. So both sides of the ball. They, they sabotaged him this year by getting rid of his receiver. I mean, like you said, they got rid of two very good, experienced receivers. Why would you do that? I don't. 
So the, the, basically the GM sabotaged him by getting rid of two of his receivers. Why would he do that? Well, I, it, it is, you know, why would you? I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, you, you, you lost both your wide receivers. You know, the offensive line is different. I know some retirees and things of that nature. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I can't say they sabotaged him, but, I mean, at the same time, you know, you, you, what do you expect when you have a whole different receiving core and, you know, your best wide receiver is a rookie coming out of Florida State, Calvin Benjamin. So, you know, uh, of course he's going to struggle. I think it's expected that he would I mean, struggle. I mean, this and, is my deal. You can't let both of them go. All right, if you want to let Steve Smith go, okay. Or you want to let LaFell go, you got to keep one of the veteran receivers with the young receiver. You can't let two of your starting real good receivers go in the same year, you know, when you were a playoff team last year. It makes no sense. It doesn't. I mean, I, I mean, they, they they obviously messed that situation up, and they didn't bring in uh, the wide receiver, a wide receiver, or better wide receivers to replace what they lost. So, I mean, you know, Carolina obviously is a team that all that with, with all that being said, Willie. I mean, they're they're three eight and one. They're a game, uh, you know, in a game behind in a loss column uh, to Atlanta. I, I would say this: I, I, Atlanta's playing better right now. Uh, who's got the toughest schedule going down the end of the stretch? Atlanta and New Orleans. All right, let's look at let's look at we'll we'll go through it. Let's look at uh, New Orleans' final four games. Got Carolina at home. They travel to Chicago. They have Atlanta, and then they end with Tampa Bay. That's, that's a pretty favorable. That's a pretty favorable schedule. You look at Atlanta at Green Bay, home to Pittsburgh, of course at New Orleans, and then Carolina at home. I think based uh, off of that schedule, I, I think I, I, it's... I favor New Orleans. I favor I New so Orleans too. to make the playoffs. I do, too. I, I think that schedule is very favorable for the Saints in comparison to the, the, the Atlanta Falcons. They're not beating Green Bay at Green Bay. That, that's not happening. Pittsburgh's going to be a tough one. And I don't think they're beating New Orleans at New Orleans. So I think the Falcons will fall. I think ultimately the Saints will make the playoffs, and the Saints will get a home playoff game. So they might even get to the divisional round. And they might only win like eight, nine games, and we'll see what happens. We'll see. Should be interesting. Willie, you got a uh, next week is going to be a good week for you. I mean, you're in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, aren't you? In the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, I think you're in the Arkansas Hall of Fame. You're about to be in the College Football Hall of Fame, man. Talk about the honor. Oh uh, man, you know my my college coach is really excited for me to go to Louisiana Tech in 1988, and us to go to Division One in '89. And, uh, you know, to earn that respect and for me to be first All-American, to be there on the 5 and 16, you know, we played a tough schedule. You know how the smaller schools play the big schools. We were independent uh, that my senior year. And for me to be an All-American on a on a small college that just went D1 a few years before that, you know, um, is very special because uh, that's what started everything. Like you said, man, when you go to – a school like that, which is building a program that's building a new facility, and you go play these big schools and you go grind on the road. And my senior year, we went to Baylor and beat Baylor to open the season in 92 and played Alabama tough that year. But, you know, you learn how to play football. And, and I, the, my, my best memories of playing football, you know, were from my college days. And I'm friend, still friends with a lot of the guys I played with. And, uh, you know, it made, it made you tougher and made me – uh, you know, going to the league and, and, you know, I was hungry. You know, I didn't win the Allen Trophy, and I was tipped about that. But, uh, you know, the guy who beat me for the Allen Trophy will be in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully this year, Will Shields, uh, who's a great pro player. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, I mean, that, it takes that sometimes to learn. That's why you see a lot of the guys coming from the swag and, and the, uh, the sweetness and, and, and um, uh, Jerry Rice, Michigan's out of state. You know, coming from some of these schools, you know, obviously I was at a Division One school, but you know, we 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 work hard to get there, and we got to keep working. And you know, sometimes you go to these bigger schools, and like you said, some of these kids kids are headed too much, and uh, you know, they can't handle some of the adversity. So, you know, like I said, I, I I would like to see some of these some of these guys learn how to handle it, or you know, you know, when they get when they get booed or when they go through the tough times, you gotta. You know, be tough enough to be able to bounce back from it, and uh, you know, like I said, me going to Louisiana Tech and growing up there and leaving Arkansas was the best thing that happened to me, and uh, it really prepared me 
our coaching staff had a lot of pros on the staff. Uh, my line coach played eight years, and uh, Joe Ferguson was the quarterback's coach, and Pat Tilly, and, you know, all these guys uh, really helped mentor us, and uh, uh, it was just a blessing for me to go to that post-set offense and play down there, and uh, it all worked out for me. So we're looking to have a lot of fun. My dad's going to come to New York, and uh, and my wife, and uh, we're, we're going to uh, have a good celebration. For sure. For sure, and it's got to be an exciting time for the Rowe family. I mean, how many Hall of Fames you in now? I'm in a few, man. <laughs> I'm in the uh, <laughs> I'm in the Arkansas Black Hall of Fame. I'm in the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. I'm in the, in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in five or six Hall of Fames, man. I, I'm Hall of Fame down. I can't get in no more. Uh, you know, the next Hall of Fame I'm going to get in is the uh, – the one on that commercial when they give you the bus on the, on the car commercial. I want to be in the Pontiac Hall of Fame or whatever that little car is. The Prius Hall of Fame. So you, I mean, you're, you're, you're Hall of Fame out. You're in everything, man. I mean, that means you did it big. That means you, you did it the right way. And that means you were highly successful at what you did. And that's always a, a good thing. That's always a great thing, man. And, uh, you know, kudos to you. Wish you nothing but the best of luck, man. Enjoy the celebration. And, you know, Enjoy it, man. Well, maybe, 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 you, maybe you'll come over. You know, we'll be out there Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. My dad was here for Thanksgiving, and, uh, you know, I got my, uh, my wife took him to the mall, and she was trying to get him a little clip for the rain, and he waited two hours for them to resize it. They're going to give us a new ring, so I gave him that Hall of Fame ring, and, uh, you know, he won't take it off now. So I gave him my Hall of Fame ring, so he's happy about that. For sure. I mean, that's always a good thing. Daddy's got to be proud. I'm going to try to get out there.